Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to do deep things in my heart and my mind. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you here. I've known that I was going to talk about overcoming fear since last week. I was reading my Bible, and I was reading Luke chapter 21, and a phrase just absolutely jumped out at me. Jesus is talking about the signs of the end times in Luke 21, and there's a phrase that he says. He says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And you don't have to look too far in today's day and age or read too many statistics to know that fear is so prevalent and so pervasive in our world. And Jesus himself told us that fear was going to be a sign of the end times, rampant fear, fear that would make people's hearts shut down. And personally, I had never really battled intense fear until a few years ago when I faced a particular situation that literally paralyzed me with fear. And I know that when we battle intense fear, It literally shuts you down. It cripples you. It cripples your mind. It breathes those believable lies into your ears. It was the kind of fear that wouldn't let me sleep. I would close my eyes. And every worst case scenario related to the situation would play out. I could not shut it down. And so I literally had to learn how to use the word of God as a weapon against that onslaught of crippling fear. And we know scripturally the Bible tells us that fear is not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. There's another place in Romans where he wrote, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so while we know that fear is not from God, we are all probably going to face or battle fear at some point in our lives. And we're going to have to choose in that moment whether we're going to stand up to our fears, whether we're going to reject those fears, or whether we're going to be dominated by the fear, whether we're going to become fearful. And fear, if we do not deal with it, turns to hopelessness and despair, and it cripples cripples us in our relationships, cripples us in our lives, keeps us from taking risks, keeps us from so many of the good things of God. And so we have got to choose to exercise our will. That is the first thing we have to do when we are facing fear. I love Psalm 56 where David wrote, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. He says, I will trust. And that's one of the things I absolutely adore and love about David. He never denies the reality of his circumstance, the scenarios that he's in, the emotions that he's feeling. He tells God about the emotions. He says, I am afraid. I'm afraid right now. But when I'm battling this fear, I choose to trust you. I'm making a conscious decision. I'm exercising my will to trust you. 
So that is the very first thing that we have to do. We just have to make a conscious decision. And earlier this week, I was battling some of the same fears related to the same situation. I was actually laying awake in bed. This was this past Monday night. And I said, no, God, I am putting that situation into your hands. You are in control. They belong to you. And I was able to go to sleep. And so just choosing, teaching yourself to exercise your will against that fear is so huge. Number two, find a refuge in the word of God. I have lists and probably multiple journals, but just of all the things that God declares himself to be, he's a refuge. He's a fortress. He's a fortress, a strong tower, a rock of defense. Learn to see him as big and then imagine yourself hiding in him. We know that he's our provider. He's our shield. He's our defender. He's our defense. And so again, just Learn to literally envision yourself hiding in him. There's a phrase in Psalm 91 where it says he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. And there's times where I've literally had to envision him like a big mama bird and I'm just a little chick hiding and he will hide you from the fear that you're battling and that you're facing. Number three, memorize scripture. In some of the most fearful moments of my life, I have only had scriptures to pray back to God. There's times where I have knelt down and all I could do was quote Psalm 27 to God or all I could do was quote Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him will I trust. And I have just prayed those memorized portions of scripture back to God. And so I was going to give you a list of scriptures that have meant so much to me in fearful moments, but I honestly think you need to ask God to give you scriptures for you, promises that you can pitch your tent on, verses that you can stand on when you are battling and facing fear. And so ask him to lead you to things that you can memorize for you, because the scriptures that have ministered to me and have gotten me through fearful times may not be the exact scriptures that will get you through fearful times. So ask God for something that you can memorize. And memorize scripture is honestly one of the greatest, most valuable treasures that you can put into the treasure chest of your life and hide away in your heart. You will never regret memorizing scripture. And lastly, my fourth point, Let God settle you down into his unshakable love. I used to think that more faith was the answer for fear. And there is some truth to that. We do have to have faith, faith and trust to overcome fear. But I really believe that ultimately it's more of God's love mixed with faith. That is the answer to fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And if you've ever battled fear, you know it is tormenting. Then it goes on and it says, But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And so we have to allow God to settle us down into his unshakable love. He loves you beyond measure. He loves you infinitely. But sometimes our inability to trust keeps us from being settled in that love and as we grow in relationship that's really the key to getting settled down into that love the more we know him the more we know his character the more we know his heart the more we can trust him and so again the more we trust the better equipped we are to handle fear when it comes this morning as i was thinking through some different things for this episode 
I kind of had this little chain of scriptures that just came into my mind. Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love. And I once heard, I believe it was Jeff Arnold, talk about how love is the fuel that fuels the engine of faith in our lives and how they work together and how you need love to fuel your faith. And the Bible goes on in Romans, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know that the word of God is the source for faith. And then Romans 5, 5 tells us the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so we know that love or the Holy Ghost is the source of love in our lives. And therefore, we can kind of extrapolate out that the habit of Bible reading and prayer is ultimately going to help you fight fear because it's strengthening your faith through the Word of God and it's strengthening your love through filling you up with more of the Holy Ghost. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, I would encourage you to study it out in the Word of God. It was originally poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and it is absolutely still available for everybody today. But again, I just want to remind you that faith works by love, faith comes by the word of God, and love comes through being filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. And so when you are battling fear, just a couple of quick things, exercise your will, choose trust in the face of that fear, find a refuge in the word of God, envision yourself hiding in Jesus, memorize scripture, ask God for things that you can memorize that will help you face the lies of the enemy, And let God settle you down into his unshakable love. And the formation of relationship through Bible reading and prayer is going to be a huge piece of you settling down into his love. When we don't deal with fear, what happens is that it turns to despair and hopelessness. And I really believe that that is what's happening in today's day and age in the statistics that we're seeing as it relates to suicide, as it relates to depression, as it relates to mental health Fear is turning into despair, into an agonizing hopelessness, and we have the answer in the Word of God, in the love of God. And today, I'm going to share a journal entry, an unedited journal entry called Killed by Despair. That's the wrong music. Here we go, truly unedited killed by despair. The other morning, as I was getting ready, I had a random thought. Saul was not killed by the enemy, but killed by despair. I like getting ready thoughts and car thoughts and other isolated, quiet, all alone sort of thoughts. If they're good thoughts, they're God thoughts. He can speak so clearly in moments of solitude, even if you're rinsing shampoo out of your hair. As random thoughts go, It has reoccurred in my mind several times over the last few days. Last night, I sat down with my Bible and started to leaf through it. So many verses leapt off the pages. God brought to mind so many beautiful memories of where I was when specific verses had ministered to my soul and how they ministered. As I sat there, the thought of Saul came back to me again. Saul was killed by despair, not by the enemy. 1 Samuel 31, 3 says, The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. I looked up several words in Hebrew and read the Matthew Henry commentary on the passage, and nowhere do I see that the severe wounding was mortal or fatal, or that it had to be. 
The King James Version says he was sore wounded by the archers. The story unfolds like this. He begs his armor bearer to kill him out of fear. Lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. Saul decides to end it all based on a picture painted in his mind with the palette of fear. The armor bearer refuses to end Saul's life, so Saul takes matters into his own hands. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer realized Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. So Saul died, and his sons, and his armor bearer, and all his men that same day. It is possible that Saul could have survived the wounding and left the battlefield with scars and stories of a narrow escape. It is possible that the story could have ended differently had he chosen to operate in something other than despair. Despair, as defined by Merriam-Webster, is one, utter loss of hopelessness, and two, a cause of hopelessness. I believe it is possible that Saul could have walked away with war wounds and a testimony of God's faithfulness, but allowed fear, dread, and despair to choose a sad and sorry ending. Not only did Saul die at his own hand, but his closest protector died and those under his leadership died. 1 Samuel 31.6 says all his men, and 1 Chronicles 10.6 says all his house died together. Saul's choice to operate in fear was costly, not only for himself, but for many others. Ultimately, we see 1 Chronicles 10.13-14 that his death was of God and because of a pattern of disobedience and unrepentant and uncommitted heart. Therefore, he... God slew him and turned the kingdom over to David. To see a different ending, we would have to back the story way up. Saul, though called, anointed, and positioned by God, had operated in flesh and not in faith. He had acted in fear and not in hope. He had acted in self-will and not waited patiently on God's will. Throughout Saul's reign, we see decisions based on human understanding. We see that Saul's hand is forced because he allows fear to predict the future. The Bible says that Saul was a choice young man and a goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. But from the very earliest days of his leadership, we see fear rule his decision-making. 1 Samuel 13 shows the first battle set in array against Saul. Verse 6 says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, and the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits, as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Wow, what a picture of fear and despair leading from day one. From there, Saul steps out of his role and offers a sacrifice, and he says this, because I saw that the people were scattered before me. From those very first moments, fear and a fleshly view caused him to walk in disobedience. He had reigned two years when the kingdom was taken away. Samuel says, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Now therefore would the Lord have established your kingdom forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue, because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. 
Fear led to disobedience. Despair dictated his future. We see throughout this timeline of Saul's life, decision after decision forced by fear. As John wrote, fear has torment. Saul operates in disobedience and rebellion when he does not utterly destroy the Amalekites in his own words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. When the giant Goliath rears his ugly head and shouts taunts to the Israelites, we read, When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Goliath was an easily defeated enemy with a loud mouth. Saul listened to the chants of despair shouted across the valley instead of trusting in the deliverance of a great God. David arrived on the scene, a ruddy youth who knew the character of his great God. David valiantly, fearlessly, and heroically says, Is there not a cause? Let no man's heart fail because of him. We know the end of the story. Fear caused Saul to falter. Faith caused David favor following victory. From that moment, David was elevated in the eyes of the people and God advanced his calling and prepared him to fearlessly lead his kingdom. Fear led to jealousy. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Saul hurls javelins, chases David like a madman, and loses his mind because of fear and despair. Fear and jealousy led Saul to spend weeks and months in caves when he could have been sleeping in a castle. The jealousy is so severe that he even tries to kill his own son Jonathan, David's close companion, and Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, 1 Samuel 20, 33. Clearly, fear was a key player in Saul's life. In a word search for afraid in Saul, we see that Saul is recorded to be afraid six times. It says he was afraid of the voice of the enemy, 1 Samuel 17, 11. He was afraid of David. He was afraid of the words of Samuel. He was afraid of the host of the enemy, and that fear drove him to the extent of witchcraft. Contrast that with the word search for fear and David, and we see that people are afraid of him. He is afraid of God, which is a good and healthy fear. He is afraid to lift up his hand against leadership, even wicked leadership like Saul. He said, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. He said, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. And he said, I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Such a clear picture is painted of another aspect of what made David a man after God's own heart and Saul a man who, though he displayed incredible potential, went down in infamy and self-annihilation, falling at the hand of despair. Fear or faith, despair or hope, fear of man or fear of God, The answers to these questions will determine the ending of our lives. Saul did not die at the hand of the enemy. He died a death at his own hand. Despair had made him his own worst enemy. We all face a cruel enemy. We all hear the same taunts and intimidating chants. We all endure war wounds. Will they be fatal? The choice is up to us. When the wounds of battle are inflicted, will we listen to the fatal lie whispered in our ear? It's over. Will we operate in frantic and frenzy? Will we allow the devastating defeat of despair to set in? 
Will we allow the deadly infection of hopelessness to worsen the wound, or will we choose to hear the voice of the healer saying, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you, and so many similar promises. On the battlefield of life, wounds are not optional, but the right response is, Don't let the wound go to waste. It has a purpose. Don't allow the story to end there. Don't fall on your sword. Choose hope. Resist despair. It'll hurt you worse than the wound ever could. Faith, not fear. Fear is the devil's signature. Fear is his calling card. So again, just a little thought today contrasting the fear of Saul and the life of David. Saul possibly did not have to die from the wounds that he suffered in that battle that we see play out in scripture. He chose to end his life out of despair. And if you are battling fear today, I just want to remind you that while fear is real, The promises of God are real. The faithfulness of God is real. The goodness of God is real. The forgiveness of God is real. He's still a refuge. He's still a shelter. He's still in control. Choose to trust him. Choose to memorize his word and cling to it with every fiber of your being. He is working on your behalf. Let him settle you down into his unshakable love. There is nothing that can tame it. There's nothing that can stop it. Faith and love work together. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Do not allow fear to torment you anymore. Today, let's choose God's love and God's goodness over fear's torment. Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I'm so glad to have you here. If you have any questions or if you'd like to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit MegunEdited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.